0: Guys, time to do a little spying for the Saints, helping to welcome in Paul Dettino, Giants reporter for WFAN in New York. How you doing today, Paul? Guys, good to be with you. Happy holidays.
1: Same to you, Paul. Paul, we were talking about this, that, uh, you know, for us, that the strata turns a drink on offense as much. Man, it's a great story and everything. But Saquon Barkley, how good of a back he is as a runner and a receiver. And when he's healthy, He's one of the top three or four uh, playmakers in the NFC. He's that good of a football player. Keeping him healthy has been the challenge. But, man, I'm so impressed with Saquon Bartley, uh, his all-around skills as a runner and a receiver.
0: Well, I agree with you. And when you consider the injuries that he has come back from and still performing at a very high level, uh, it really increases your respect for him. Uh, I think that... You know, when you look at this Giants team, uh, and I always go, Plus, used to tell us all the time, you know, fellas, uh, what you want to do is when you look at the other team, you want to you identify the headache players. You know, that is the guys on the other side of the field who are going to keep your coordinators up the entire night on Monday when you're trying to figure out a game plan. And Saquon Barkley is a headache player. And for the Giants... He's been the only headache player on the offensive side of the ball for the last several years. Now, they thought Darren Waller was going to be their second headache player on offense, but he, of course, has been dealing with injuries too this year, and right now we're not even sure if he's going to be available for the New Orleans game or not. So uh, it makes things a little bit easier for the, uh, the Saints defense to, uh, to kind of game plan for
2: now, uh, Paul, uh, quarterback Tommy DeVito, obviously uh, what he's done, uh, making history. It's like a real-life Rocky movie instead of Philadelphia and New York, Jersey, uh, the whole aspect there. But uh, I'm looking at the first undrafted rookie since 1967 with a 100-plus uh, rating and three straight starts. Now you have to look at it at Washington, New England, and Green Bay on Monday night. And then uh, the third undrafted rookie since 1970 to win three-plus starts. Again, you got to look at the opponent. Are they just embracing the uh, veto? And as far as the Giants fan base, because realistically, uh, the Saints are still in the hunt because of the weak NFC South. But I'm looking at the Giants uh, after New Orleans. They got to go Christmas Day at Philadelphia on Christmas Day Monday night, and then you got the Rams at home, and then you got Philadelphia again. I mean, uh, the, the Giants. You might say they uh, still have a chance but I'd be almost slim to none that they could be in this postseason. Well, you just totally put cold water on this whole thing when you
0: mentioned those two games against Philadelphia coming up, okay? <laughs> because that's really where, where the, uh, the whole race dies for the Giants because, look, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they can be competitive and possibly beat the Saints and do the same with the Rams. I just don't know that they match up at all with philadelphia even in their wildest dreams now if philadelphia has already clinched the number one spot or whatever it is that they're slotted into two and they're stuck there by the end of the regular season and they decide they're going to play all their backups well who knows so maybe maybe the giants could can can steal a game there but even so what kind of maxes them out at three more wins now is eight and nine going to get you into the playoffs well, you know what? Maybe it will this year in the, in the NFC because it's so mediocre, uh, which is why it's interesting from the Giants' perspective. The teams that they, that are looking up, they have to look up at. The Saints, the Rams, the Packers, uh, Seahawks is another one. Well, they've lost to the Seahawks already this year. But if, if they've already beaten Green Bay, that helps them in a tiebreaker. If they're going to get to eight wins, they're going to have to beat the Rams and the Saints both. That would help them in a tiebreaker. I'm still not very sure that there's a heck of a lot of chance here for the Giants to make it, but the good news is that this fan base, which has seen the first half of the season totally destroyed by just a litany of injuries, now has at least some fun with the season. And after all, isn't that what a fan's being all about? You root for the team to have fun. And Tommy DeVito and what this team has done is they've gotten some of their injured players back is produce some fun and some good times. And that, that's really what the Giants fans are all about right now. And if they, if they win this weekend, they can extend that at least for another week.
2: Now, uh, you know, Paul, uh, you know, this is a Louisiana name, even though he played at University of Oregon, <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, boy, you know, look looked like, well, yeah. I don't know if that was the right draft pick, but I'm looking right now at career highs and tackles for a loss with 12. 11 and a half sacks and uh, three forced fumbles this season. Uh, are the Giants fans, are they on that uh, bandwagon, think Well, they can understand now why the organization uh, drafted Kayvon Thibodeau so high?
0: Yeah, they're finally starting to understand it. I mean, last season, you know, this first half of the year, he was beset by a sprained MCL that he got very, very early on. I think it was the last week of training camp. Actually, uh, last week, uh, yeah, it was during the preseason he did it. And the whole first half of the season, he wasn't the player that they, they had drafted. He was wearing a knee brace. Several linebackers who I've talked to who were since retired all said to me, well, we could see it. And I'm telling you now, with the, with the knee brace on, his athleticism is greatly reduced. He's just not the same guy. And it was obvious. Once he got the knee brace off in the middle of the year, you start to see it coming back and the rust was starting to scrape off. And by the time the season was over, it was like, hmm, I think we're going to look forward to 2023 because we just may see the guy who they thought they drafted. Well, that's exactly what's happened this year. This is the guy that the Giants, you know, made a top-ten pick. Uh, And and to be frank with you, he is a better all-around player than a lot of draft gurus thought he would be. He plays the run extremely well. He's interested in stopping the run. Most, most of these pass rushers, you know, you Simeon Rice types, they will ignore the run, and they just want to get to the quarterback and get on ESPN Sports Center. They're salivating to get to the QB, and you could run right by him with a woman in a wheelchair, and they wouldn't give a crap. Well, that's not the case with Kayvon Thibodeau. And so uh, the Giants are extremely pleased with him, and, and I think the fan base understands it now.
2: Now, uh, Paul, uh, what about, I don't know, I'm a butcher's last name. He has the same first name as me, uh, Bobby Ricky uh, or how do you say his oh, name? Bobby Okereke. Okereke. Okereke, I'm looking, I don't know, I look in the NFL the only player this season uh, with 100-plus tackles at 119 right now with nine tackles for loss and also active with passes, defended with eight. Uh, is he a fan favorite for the Giants?
0: People are really warming up to him. He got here as a free agent from the Colts during the offseason. When he was in Indianapolis, he would split his time on the outside and also playing in some inside linebacker. Very versatile player, very athletic, very, very smart, very instinctive, uh, and plays all three downs. He leads the National Football League this year in tackles against the run. I believe he's up to like 54 right now. Uh, which, again, is tops in the league. Playing at a pro bowl level, I'm sure because the Giants' record is what it is, he's not going to get enough support to get there. But I'm telling you, he's playing that well. He can cover tight ends and running backs. Um, he penetrates the line of scrimmage and can blitz. Uh, he can get those tackles for a loss. Uh, has sideline to sideline range. Can get downfield. When I say cover, I'm talking about he can get 10, 15 yards downfield and cover guys. He has – the first month of the season was trying to kind of weave his way into the system with Wake Martindale, you know, the defensive coordinator. And he wasn't familiar with his teammates. And that first month, it was like, oh, boy, he's just a guy. You know, I I don't really get it. And then after that first month, all of a sudden it
1: just clicked. And since then, he has been playing lights out. Really, really good player. Wow. This is a couple years back. We do Louisiana line camp here, and uh, the legendary Pete Jenkins, defensive line coach, um, he had just spent a couple days, I think it was a week in Clemson, and he tells me, he said, Michael, um, there's a defensive lineman there, Dexter Lawrence. He said uh, he's just a, uh, coming off his freshman year. I'll bet you anything you got. Uh, he ends up being a first-round pick, and he's just not a good player. He got a chance to be a great player, Dexter Lawrence. And he said, just remember his name. Um, He said, because they got three of them that will be first-round picks. But, man, he said, I love an interior guy that can clog everything up. But he said he can push the inside like very few defensive linemen I've ever seen. Dexter Lawrence has been a great pickup for the Giants.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, Wink Martindale gets here before last season as the Giants' new defensive coordinator when the new coaching staff came in. And he said his first mission was uh, if – Dexter Lawrence does not become a Pro Bowl player in my scheme and the way we're going to use him, then it's all my fault. See, what happened was Dexter was playing defensive end in a 3-4 front when he first got here, and he was a good player. There's no question. He was a good player, a first-round draft pick, you know, um, who, who people were like, yeah, you know, he's good. Well, <laughs> uh, what the, the, the Giants did with Wink is they, they moved him into the the nose tackle spot, okay? And that just created an entirely different scenario for him because now he is just eating centers for lunch. Centers and guards have to do two, uh, you know, combo blocks to even have a chance of trying to prevent him from getting in the backfield. And it's funny because, you know, the the new wave was supposed to be that the new dominant defensive tackles were all going to be thin, athletic, Finesse. Aaron Donald was supposed to be the prototype, you know, for the new defensive tackle wave in the National Football League. Dexter Hards is far from that. he guy's got, what, 340 pounds, and he's just an absolute beast, and, and he should not be able to move like he does. That's the funny part about it. He gets up and down the line to stop runs. He anchors and stops runs. He commands two bodies. To let guys like Okereke clean up and, and make tackles, and then he also pushes the pocket, and sometimes will just blow by double teams and get to the quarterback by himself. He's a freak. He truly is a freak, and and it's good to see him over the last two seasons get the kind of credit he deserves.
2: Now, uh, Paul, I want to pick your brain on this, uh, and I want maybe a, a slight comparison, uh, different regions of the country. Uh, but well, we all uh, appreciate homegrown uh, folks uh, that maybe you think you maybe could relate to or understand where they come from, and all of a sudden, it's reality. And that being Tommy DeVito, you know, I was raised 50 miles south in New Orleans uh, on the Bayou uh, with yeah. all the Cajuns, and then getting to play for the Saints. And with Tommy DeVito, just describe to the fans from a Jersey or New York perspective. I mean, uh, it's almost like uh, a lifetime movie. or something. Now, uh, the one thing I told Mike you this every everyone at the station, I said, let me tell you, you know what's the key? Can he do this for two months plus? Yep. Because I've been around uh, players and I played 15 years, you know, kind USFL, whatever, uh, that you could do a lot for like three or four games and they don't really have a book on you. But you get past a month. And when you're getting to four, five, six games, and Warren Moon and I had talked about this, uh, you, you better know where you're going with the football because you might not be able to ad-lib like you want to. Now he RPOs or whatever, and he does a great job with his feet. But I think uh, I'm still going to – I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. It's a great feel-good story. But uh, to me, I would look at it after six, seven, eight games to see where he's at. Uh, now, he's putting pressure on Daniel Jones. I'm sure uh, uh, Giants fans love that, considering they're probably saying Daniel Jones is stealing money. When the hell are we paying him all of that? Uh, but I want you just to break that down, because I, I think it's something that the common football fan, especially homegrown, it doesn't get any better than this.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, Bobby, you've got a couple of different story angles at work here that has kind of formed the perception and the hype about what Tommy DeVito is. I think the first thing is he's an underdog, okay? He comes in as an undrafted rookie free agent, spent some time at Syracuse and in Illinois, gets the Giants rookie uh, minicamp, and, you know, he's just an afterthought. He's just a guy who's throwing a football around. And, and no one has even given him a second thought at that point. Well, then suddenly somehow he winds up opening the, the season after having a really good preseason and, and a nice camp, He winds up on the practice squad, but he's still an afterthought. And even though he's a local kid and, you know, he lives 15 minutes from the stadium and he went to high school 20 minutes from the stadium, it's still just kind of a nice practice squad story. But all of a sudden now, what happens? He gets an opportunity to play after Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor both go down and he's doing what he's doing. He's being efficient. He's obviously taking advantage of what has been a soft schedule the past three weeks, in addition to the fact that the Giants' defense uh, has gotten healthier and gelled. Uh, in addition to that, the Giants have now had the same starting five offensive line for the f- uh, for the last four games, and that's the longest streak they've gone all season with the same starting five offensive linemen. That has helped him. The fact that Saquon Barkley is back in the lineup. You know, rejoined the lineup uh, a couple of months back. You know, he missed three games. He had a badly sprained ankle. Uh, That has helped him. So there's a lot of stuff that has gone into the situation that has really allowed Tommy DeVito to max out, if you will. Now, I will say this to you. He's got two things going for him, Bobby. And look, I watched you play in the USFL, and you dominated that league. It was sensational, and and I, I commend you for that. I think one of, the, one of the things I want to tell you about Tommy is that he's got Jersey grit. And what do I mean by that? Well, he doesn't get overwhelmed by anything. He doesn't panic. He's not intimidated. And when you've got that on your side mentally, it's already part of the battle. Bobby, I know, I know you've seen players. I know I've seen them in 41 years of covering this team in the National Football League. I've seen guys who are already partly defeated mentally and emotionally before they even took a snap. That's not the case with this kid. He's got the right mentality. he's got that fight and that dog in him he doesn't he doesn't back down and he doesn't think anything, things too big for him like he was saying that he's been saying that now for weeks. I've been playing football since I was five years old. I love the game. I just go out there and I just want to do it. And and everything else is outside stuff that doesn't matter to him. He just focuses on his own game and what he wants to do. And that's that's that Jersey grit. Because the Jersey Italians, the Paisans, the, the Sopranos that you guys watched on TV with HBO, they pretty much say, look, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to do it. And that's it. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, what anybody else says. I'm just going to do it. He brings that mentality to his play. All right, Paul. Paul, definitely appreciate it,
1: Tom. Thank you. That was New York Giants Uh reporter for WFAN.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?